This star system would appear not to have been visited by members of the Federation in the past. Thus, our presence can only be beneficial. Captain, the logical conclusion to draw from a large amount of debris in the system is that the planet was destroyed. I would advise keeping our shields up. Quite right, quite right. I can only hope that whatever disaster eliminated the planet left some enticing specimens of the female persuasion behind for me to study closely. Captain, we seem to be under the influence of a force that somehow stands even darker than the space surrounding us. A dark force, if you will, Captain. I refuse to be held down by anything so unpleasantly named. Deploy phasers on this dark force and get us loose. <laughs> Captain, I can't get us loose. You blew the dark force a bit, but there'll be something even nastier out there. We've got to get in. Engineering, be quiet. The Enterprise is proof against anything so intangible and ethereal as a profound darkness. We've got to get away. The crew is being sucked into a black pit of despair. I can't do anything to stop it. I'm a doctor, not an exorcist. Wait, what is it I see out there? A native ship is blowing that profound darkness into atoms, and it hasn't used any actual weapons to do so. That makes no sense, and yet it's so incredible. I can't avert my eyes. We've been saved from unavoidable destruction by a primal force, and my girdle almost came loose. We must land on that nearby Desloy planet so I might reapply it. The inhabitants of the Argo system may not need the assistance of the Federation for anything but attaining warp travel. Until they have achieved it, we shall have to give them a sample of entertainment outside their home planet. Live from the internet, it's the RPG Backtrack. In today's Phonetically Challenged podcast, we tackle a quadrilogy of games while discussing the fact that just because your game's title is obscenely long does not make it fun to play. Plus, we have a bonus section at the end where we read and discuss your thoughts before we rock out. All of this in some horrendous voice acting of our own, right here on RPG Backtrack. Welcome to RPG Backtrack, where we discuss computer and console RPGs from the way back when right up to yesteryear. It's also the place where we can't pronounce any proper nouns, encourage spoilers, and the host cannot remember the names of the guests. My name is Phil Willis. And I am Mike Minky. And this is RP Backtrack number 18, Fantastical. And our special host with us tonight is the ever-so-charismatic Sam Marcello. Hello, darlings. Hey, did you roll been... Did you roll an 18 on your charisma score this evening? I wish. <laughs> it's a... probably more like a 2. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't have my dice around here. I really should go find them and roll them and see what my score is. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. Too bad. Roll for me, too. I don't, have, I don't seem to have any dice uh, anywhere. I guess I could use aspirin by marking them on both sides, but it wouldn't be the same. Yes, but my dice are currently trapped in the uh, abyss of my boyfriend's bedroom, so I don't have them either. 
Well, you know, I could use... Interesting word to use for his bedroom, an abyss. Because I can never find anything in there. I could so use... it's not just a place that falls to be unseen and destroyed forever. I could uh... just use a calculator. I mean, this is this is a and, and this is a little story from way back when. But uh, when when we used to play Dungeon Dragons back in the day, we were kind of short on twenty sided dice. Mom didn't take us out to the uh, dark uh, cultic D and D store often to buy supplies. So whenever the game called for us to roll a D20 or D100 or whatever have you, we'd take a calculator, uh, always plenty of those lying around, and take one number, divide or multiply by another number totally at random, and then just take the last two digits, and that was the dice roll. So <laughs> not very scientific, but it seemed to work. I love it. There. I'll never remember how to do that. <laughs> well, we got a very... Sh- Maybe a very short show, sort of, kind of. We won't have too much to talk today, just a fantasy star, in case you couldn't tell by our somewhat futuristic introduction. Before we start up with talking about this quadrilogy, is that what it's called, Mike? You're the master of words. If it is it a quadrilogy, if there's four uh, games in it? Well, if we're going by what Hollywood studios like to package their movies as, I'm sure, I don't think it's a real word. I would call it a quartet instead, but... They call it the Alien Quadrilogy, they call it the Rambo Quadrilogy, fine, it's the Fantasy Star Quadrilogy, and we've invented a new stupid word for the English language, yay. Yay, for new yay. words. Um, and anywho, so, but before we do that, we have a very short section coming up that we like to call Blast from the Recent Past. Today's blast from the recent past will be mercifully short because there was only one game left on our list that we had to talk about that came out in the month of June. Uh, it, it's it's a small game, but it has a bloody long title: Mega Man Star Force Two Zerker X Ninja. And Mike begged me to talk about this so that so that he could, or to bring up this topic so that he could talk about. It. So so go ahead, Mike. What do you want to say about Mega Man Star Force Two Zerker X Ninja? All right. The hearsay is, and I have this on good authority from at least one of the people involved, this was the one game that Seventh Circle, Glenn Wilson, received to review and then sent it back to Max Storm because he absolutely refused to play this thing anymore. And then Max Storm, Mr. Michael Cunningham, sent it off to Castamel, Mr. Andrew Long, up in Canada, and he... uh was supposed to review it and never did. So now you know why no why there is no staff review for Mega Man Star Force 2 on RP Gamer. It's got that much of a reputation, folks. Let's just also point out it has the dumbest name ever. What? What? What are you talking? What? Are you, it's so uh, dumb. What are you talking about, Sam? Mega Man Star Force 2 Zerker X Ninja sounds awesome. Sam, never say it has the dumbest name ever because somebody is going to come up with an even dumber one and you just know it. I'm sorry, but this Mega Man title sounds like something out of the Deadliest Warrior and that, 
bothers me. <laughs> it's like, Zerker, X, Ninja, oh. Now we gotta test to see what their deadliest weapons are. No more of this. Really, it sounds like something that should be playing to a martial arts film with poor lip-syncing. Yeah, and, and, yeah, at one point they did they did ask me if I wanted to review it, and I had played one of the ba- Mega Man Battle Network games before, and this looked like pretty much the same thing. I think, well, I mean, this one has a different perspective, because now the camera is behind Mega Man rather than being just a flat, you know, side camera on the perpendicular to the battlefield. So I, I guess somehow the guys at Capcom just, trying to always figure out new ways to squeeze another dollar out of the Mega Man franchise. Just figured if they just swung the camera to a different angle over the guy's shoulder that everyone would just jump on board and buy another game, another Mega Man game. You're right. Don't you remember? This is Mega Man. There are how many Mega Man games now? It's clear people have been buying them and keep buying them based on the name, if nothing else. (laughs) Uh... Even what? The 13th, the 14th, the 15th Mega Man RPG, even. Oof. Yeah, yeah. Capcom knows how to do crank out sequels. Yeah, I'm. I, I personally, I'm waiting for Mega Man Command Mission Two. That, that's uh, that boy. And you know what? I was so disappointed. We were watching E3 yesterday and today, and I didn't see an announcement for for Mega Man Command Mission Two. I almost ran out to the street into the traffic just to end it all. Uh, yeah, it's just, it was sad, it was sad, oh. but I knew I had to do this podcast tonight, so I refrained from committing suicide. I'm all glad that your sense of duty overwhelmed the sudden urge to suicide. Well, please, no one, no <laughs> one should allow anything Capcom does not announce to be a sign of suicidal tendencies. Look, Marvel vs. Capcom 3 is coming. We never thought that was going to come. Anything can get a sequel from Capcom. Even Mega Man X Command Mission. Yes. On another note, we've been discussing something on the boards, and it seems like a lot of people are supportive of the idea of doing a PC segment here on RPG Backtrack. So what we're going to do is every other show, instead of doing Blast from the Recent Past, we're going to be doing uh, what we call the PC Pit Stop, (laughs) where we'll be talking about one or two um, old PC games from the past. Now, that can be a pretty recent RPG, as as recent as The Witcher, something just a year or two ago, all the way back to, let's say, Wizardry 1. You never know what we're going to play. We will be specifically trying to focus on games, however, that are playable easily today, which is quite a bit thanks to our good friend DOSBox. There's also a lot of great RPGs that have come out within the last 10 years, uh, including a number of indie RPG efforts that I want to spend a little bit of time looking at, as well as a number of re-releases on GOG and Steam, which have taken some of these old classics and made them playable on Windows. So we're going to focus specifically on games that people can go out, download, and play today, but we're also going to be playing a couple of uh, games that you can play through uh, something like a DOS box or whatnot. Uh, Becky's going to help me out with that. She's Oslot on RPGamer.com, so look forward to hearing more from her. And what we'll do with Blast from the Recent Past is we'll just be doing it basically once a month, and we'll be talking about games uh, that came out uh, for that calendar month two years ago all at once. If there's too many games, we'll probably just focus on the good ones that people care about to keep the segment within the standard five to ten minutes. So check it out. I want to thank everyone who gave us a lot of feedback on my thread uh, at rpgamer.com's boards uh, that helped to contribute to uh, forming this uh, new segment that will be actually starting next week. 
Becky will be talking about a game called So uh, Quest for Glory 1, So You Want to Be a Hero. So look forward to that on the next RPG Backtrack. So with that being said, let's go on to our main event. talking about the quadrilogy known as Fantasy Star, the original Fantasy Star quadrilogy, uh, 1, 2, 3, and 4, that came out on the Sega Genesis. We won't be really talking about all the other ones that came out afterwards that are mostly multiplayer events. We're going to talk about where those guys came from, where they got their start. And what better place to start than to talk about Fantasy Star number 1? Who wants Which to start off? came out on the Master System. Everybody's favorite Sega console that uh, was crushed by the NES quite thoroughly, except in Brazil for some reason. <laughs> yes. Aww. I owned a Master System when I was a kid. I didn't own Fantasy Star because I was too stupid to play RPGs as a kid, but I did have a Master System before the original Final Fantasy, before the original Dragon Warrior. So this was the first big JRPG that crossed the ocean. Let's also not forget, Jooms, before we go on, it's also the most expensive game to have come out at that time, too. It was like a $70 game to own. I thought it was more like 100 It was 100 or 70 I can't remember. I remember a friend of mine telling me that and going, like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, but it is. It's one of the most expensive games, I mean, for that time to buy. It still right. is actually pretty expensive to get even now. I haven't tried buying a Master System copy because I... Well, I'm not sure where my master to. system is. But, uh, now you've got me thinking about where, where my master <laughs> system ended up. Years. I'm sorry. I actually uh, never owned a master system, so I did well, play it on the master system. I just never owned one. Well, you've played it more recently than I have, so take her uh, away. All right. Um, I'm trying to think of what I can talk about here with Fantasy Star 1. I mean, it was a pretty... Um, unique game, especially for me as a child, because um, I played it at a friend of mine's cottage. Um, they owned a Master System. They had all these games, and for some reason, Fantasy Star 1 was the first one, was the one I kept going back to every time I visited them. Mostly because it was so bloody hard. <laughs> I mean, Oof. Fantasy Star 1 has a pretty nasty difficulty curve in that it's pretty easy to just walk onto the first screen and die. You know, well... Yeah, I remember that. Alice was notorious for having crappy armor and it was pretty easy to just walk out into the field and if you had like two scorpions or something come and attack you, you were dead. So the idea was that they wanted you to grind in the small field find maybe some wasps or one scorpion and you should be able to level up based on that. But uh, I mean, it was a pretty nasty game, even for you know me and I was playing it at like seven and but mostly because I, I like, as a child, I never figured out how to get past that first area. This is one also another game that also doesn't really provide a lot of direction. So it's more like once you leave, you know, uh, cast meat, then you're pretty much wandering around going, okay, where do I go next? So you have to wander around the map, and it's one of those situations where if I go down to the south, there's a cave. But if I go, you know, east, there's a town. Well, which do I do first? 
So, I mean, my instincts was to go to the town, only to realize that I should have went to the cave first. <laughs> and in that cave, you get your first party member. And in my replay that I've been trying to do, I still haven't, mm-hmm. you know, got him. Uh, I haven't saved him yet. <laughs> Isn't that awful? <laughs> And let's, like, also just add the fact that the protagonist is a girl! Yay! Well, really, the only other female protagonists you had in an RPG were the ones from the Goldbox games. And Goldbox games, you could kind of make your own characters. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, You didn't really have a lot of female RPG characters come out with a solid, you know, background and, you know, a purpose. And Aelis' purpose is kind of awesome because this is a girl going out to get revenge on, you know, Lassic, who, you know, ends up murdering her brother. Older brother. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is this is pretty unique, actually, I think, in some ways, because you don't really see a lot of uh, revenge plots centered around young girls. Um, I mean, and she's, she's a 15-year-old girl who's decided to go out into the world and slay things. I mean, you know, she has a really strong, you know, sense of, you know, wanting to get revenge. And can you blame her? No. I don't know. She was kind of a great character. I mean, it's a shame that, you know, being 1988, I mean, you don't get a lot of development, but there was enough there. Yeah, and what you get is horribly translated because nobody cared about translating well in 1988. No. Yeah, that's the other thing. These poor games definitely could use a really nice fresh update, but... Sega doesn't really care to go back to, you know, Fantasy Star 1 through 4 to do anything with it. So, we just keep getting more of Fantasy Star Universe and online, and I don't care about those personally. Portable. And portable. Let's not forget portable. Adrian's favorite game ever. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well, I do remember the dungeons of Fantasy Star 1. Ooh, those are vertigo-inducing. I was going to say... Those were really unique because they were done in a first-person perspective. That was kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, it, it actually scrolls along with each step you take, which is pretty impressive for the master system. Although, if you are watching too closely at the walls, then you, like I said, might get vertigo or something. Yeah, this was one of those know. cases. I know for me, especially now that I'm older, I printed off a fact. Because those dungeons, I remember, used to mess with my head, and I could never remember if I'd already been in a certain area already or not. So, I mean, I probably got lots of experience just randomly grinding, but did I make progress half the time? Probably not. Um, This time around, I was like, I'm going to get a fac that has a map, so I can actually just follow the map, (laughs) and then there will be no, you know, frustration and anger and tossing of the DS into the wall. It's been helpful so far. Can't complain. <laughs> but they're 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 just they're nauseating dungeons. If especially if you're someone who just you know, I I don't know about you guys, but when I I watch them after a while, it it just does my eyes, and I'm just like, okay, I don't remember where I just went. But they're pretty cool. Yeah, this was the era when apparently you were supposed to map out your dungeon as you went along, and that's asking a lot nowadays. Not just that, I felt sorry for people playing this game, you know, when it came out. I mean, they were probably sitting on Sega Hotline for, like, hours. (laughs) It's like, where do I go next? (laughs) I mean, 
And then when I mean, you get to a dungeon that actually looks a little bit different, you're so grateful because the bricks are a different color. Yay! I don't have to look the same dingy green bricks for a while. Yeah. Okay, wow. I just realized this game is as bad as Rhapsody on the PlayStation. <laughs> and I say that just because Rhapsody on the PlayStation had the same problem where every dungeon looked exactly the same, just a different color. So you can never remember if you were already in the same room or not. Fantasy Star is that. Now you're bringing up horrible memories, Jooms. So I played it um, six, seven years ago. I'm trying to remember exactly when. And I got right about to the point where you get your fourth party member, who was called Noah at the time, and is either a man or a woman. I'm not quite sure, and the game apparently isn't quite sure either. But it's a spellcaster. Oh, and of course it starts at level one when Alice is level 19, I think, and... Of course, grinding takes a very long time in this game, yep. so getting Noah to useful is a time-consuming process. And that was about when I'd said, you know what, I'm not having enough fun to keep at this for a while. Maybe that had to do with the fact that I was uh, coming up on finals week, I don't really remember, but I set it aside and I never came back. One thing that is different about Fantasy Star, I probably should have tried it more often, is you can talk to the enemies and sometimes try to reason with them instead of fighting them. So, really, I... The first, the first big JRPG that crossed the Pacific. Final Fantasy yes. One and Dragon Warrior yep. didn't cross until after this came out here. Yep. So, I mean, this was like a very... Um, unique experience for a lot of people and people on you know who had Nintendo I mean they didn't even know what, what it was but if you had a master system I mean lucky you this was like the first big adventure game that you know you'd get to play I mean there really yeah, wasn't anything like it well funny enough I mean people are now beating this game at like 15 hours like I remember when I asked on the forum I said, look, I want to replay one of these Fantasy Star games. Which is the shortest one to play? And everybody actually said one. And I was kind of surprised because I remember one being really long. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it just goes to but show... Grinding, like, what is hours? Yeah. Well, oh wait, the dungeon navigation will take you a long time, I know that. saw a map of the dungeon that leads you to LASIK. It's, what... 50 floors, something like that. It's madness. And yeah, the three, the uh, the first person dungeons were also pretty unusual hmm. at the time, especially for consoles. You so, see that on consoles. Anything else that stands out in your mind? I mean, do you think it doesn't sound like it doesn't really sound like this game holds up too well with time here? No, no, not at all. Um, I was gonna say, like with the 50 floor wow. Lassic dungeon, I saw accounts of people. Um, saying that they spent hours and hours on the Sega help support for that dungeon. Because it was 50 floors, and in a lot of cases, um, you had a lot of um, floors. Like, every floor was completely differently mapped out, and there was a lot of crossing intersections. That was the big thing. So you'd have a lot of four-way intersections, and, of course, trying to remember which ones you've gone through, um, that would do a number on your head in first person. It's like playing Dungeon Master. If anyone knows what Dungeon Master's like. Which is, it's not fun, because it's first person, and you can barely remember where you've been half the time. So, I don't think those games hold up well at all. 
But, you know, I have my fond nostalgia memories of it, and especially because I, I do love Alice as a character. I think she's fabulous. I think I've said my say on Fantasy Star 1. games where, uh, I mean, in the case of Fantasy Star 2, uh, you felt like you were never making progress. <laughs> like, it apparently has a very awesome story, and Ni is apparently really heiress. I mean, she's cooler, and she died first, but, you know, I don't remember getting that far. <laughs> I actually did. I made a point to play through it all the way to where you fight, uh, either an artificial or a, or a cloned May. I'm not sure what it was, but it was an evil May, and you had to kill it. And when you did, your May uh, died to administer the final blow, because it was her twin. I, I think it was, yes, her evil twin, something like that. Uh-huh. And then you then you take off to Desolus, and at that point, um, it gets even harder, and you have to start healing in battle for for random encounters, and I just had enough for a while. Yeah, I I just I'm always amazed when people I when I hear people beat this particular one because just the amount of hours it sounds like that you have to pour in, like you have to really, really love this game to pour the time in. And not to mention I mean just the, the difficulty level in this game is it's astronomical. I mean compared to Fantasy Star One and then when we get to Fantasy Stars three and four. I mean this game is just it's evil in some ways just with the difficulty um, that's part of the reason why I, ne- I know I never got far in it it came out in 89 again predating Final Fantasy and Dragon Warrior over here and I guess that's the way RPGs were then you needed Punishly. to grind all the time and people liked it and I, I mean, when I played Final Fantasy One or Dragon Quest, I mean, there was some grinding involved in those games, uh, but I don't remember that much. And those, I mean, it sounds like this one has a lot more. Is that by comparison? Would you guys say this has more than a typical, you know, like Final Fantasy One or Dragon Quest Four? Or... Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's... you need the new weapons, and getting the new weapons requires you to make some Meseta, and making Meseta will take you a long time. Enemies yeah. just don't give up much when they die. No, they don't. And that's actually, like, even just to go back to Fantasy Star 1, same thing. I mean, you had to grind for hours, and you'd probably only get, like, six. And then as it went on, maybe 20. I don't think I ever broke 100. <laughs> the Seda, in a lot of cases, that I was playing. I mean, I'm sure later on you do, but even then, I mean, it's slim pickings, because those items cost way more than you get. I don't know why I didn't mind it so much in Final Fantasy 1. <laughs> Let's give Fantasy Star 2 some credit where it's due. It actually has a really cool story. And it had some really great characters. I mean, I mean, I know so many people who've out there who've, you know, paid their homage to this game. I had a friend who actually cosplayed me at Anime North about six years ago. And I just... I thought it was the mm-hmm. coolest thing ever. And I had actually 
never played Fantasy Star 2, and she just kind of gave me this look like, why haven't you played this game? I'm like, I know who she is! <laughs> but, you know, people... People really did relate to a lot of these characters. I mean, you know, being a sci-fi series, that was... You know, and I should have touched upon that when we were talking about Fantasy Star 1. The reason why this series is so unique and so special to a lot of people also has to come from its setting. It's a sci-fi RPG. It's not... There's no fantasy... There's no, you know, medieval sort of aspect to it. It's straight out of hard science fiction. Yeah, the first and, two take place on planets that you move between with a spaceship. Yep. And even the other two still have elements of, like, sci-fi in there. I mean, you know, like the Newmans were really, really neat. I mean... They were a race that... Let me just remember what they were exactly. They were um, genetically engineered beings made with combination DNA from the Palmans, so a series of humans, and artificial wild creatures known as biomonsters. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, they look almost human with the exception of the fact that they have long, pointy ears. <laughs> I mean, this this game created its own fictional race of, you know, of all... Like, there's a bunch of different races in this game. I mean, besides the Newmans, there's the, the what's the green guys called? Jooms? The uh, I remember Raja. I'm trying to remember what the heck he is. Yeah, like there was a lot of different races and stuff in the game. And uh, oh wait, oh wait, wait, I found it. He's a Drizolian. So yeah, there's the Drizolians. He's a sarcastic old priest who protected the Temple of Ruan. That's not yeah. telling me what race he is. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean. They were, the Drizolians were, you know, they live on the, is it the ice planet? Yes. Yep. Yeah, and they were green, and that was their characteristic that made them stand out. You know, then there was other characters, there was like other androids, um, which when we get to Fantasy Star 4, we can talk about Wern, because he's talk about awesome. 3, too. They're in oh, 3. Oh, yeah, that's right. I didn't, I forgot he was in 3. I didn't get that far in 3. I mean, so, uh, you was, know. There was 2 yet, though. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry, well, I, I, it's all coming together again <laughs> in no. my brain. But you know, I, I think I like what... the casting too. But the means you get them by is just really annoying. Every time you go to a new town for the first uh, six towns of the game, when you go back home, someone new will be there to join your party. Yeah, and that sounds having, like something out of Star Trek. Especially as you get further along and. We'll eventually have to tramp all the way back there or use an item to do it. It gets kind of annoying to have to go all that way back for a new party member. But I remember liking Shears from the last one you get, because if you leave her alone, if you take her into a shop, she might leave you and then come back after having stolen something from the shop. (laughs) I like that. That's actually kind of a neat characteristic. Um... Yeah, she's not that great in combat, but she's all right, and if she steals something really awesome equipment-wise, well, you're going to thank her. I was going to say, I mean, that's something that's kind of defining about Fantasy Star 2. There was actual jobs in that game. I mean, each character had a specific job that they could do to help, you know, you progress mm-hmm. in the game. Like, Sheer was the thief. Josh was a wrecker. Um, you know, you had guardians. And the, you had a biologist. So, I mean, like, there was a lot of different jobs that people could perform. And it was actually useful to have in combat. Like, if I remember correctly, the one who's the doctor could actually heal you. If I'm not mistaken, Amy? 
she could actually heal you in the game because that was her job. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean. And because she, she uses scalpels in combat. Oh yeah, that and that's the same with the character in four too, who uses like scalpels <laughs> and knives. Which see, I keep talking about Fantasy Star Four, but it's because I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> the dungeons are not in first person anymore, but they're pretty labyrinthine and they're pretty long, and they will punish you unless you walk in there with everyone full of dimate and trimate so that you can heal yourself. And then you're still going to come out of them probably where I need to go stock up immediately at the shop. Just because they're yeah. not first person, they're easy now. Oh, speaking oh, of the sci fi, I remember the manual describing what happens if somebody dies in combat. You go to a clone shop and get a clone made of the person to have rejoin you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's, That's I can actually just imagine. funny. That's right. That's right. I remember that. I must have had a million clones then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I really well, couldn't give anything else that's amazing about 2. And 3 had some really special things that it did. Yeah, I just played this thing recently, so it's fresh in my head. Three is the one that everybody remembers for the generation system. You start as... Oh, what's his stupid name? Uh, right it's Rice. Rice, Rice, Rice whatever, whatever his stupid name is. We just and his bride... <laughs> his bride? His bride, Maya, gets kidnapped by an evil monster on their wedding day and he vows to go find her after his dad tells him to go cool off and throws him in the dungeon for daring to say that he's going to go get his bride back. That strikes me as odd. What kind of I a king... hilarious. What kind of a king throws his son in jail for wanting to get his bride back that badly? One who clearly and... is telling him to chill out. <laughs> yeah, there's that. And then mysterious woman helps him escape, and you get a total of maybe four lines from her in the entire game. And eventually, he goes off and rescues his bride, and he has to decide between the woman he was going to marry or this mysterious woman who helped him escape from jail and then said about four lines total in the rest of the game. Lena, I believe is her name. And you have to choose. Is he going to marry the woman he was going to marry, or is he going to marry this woman who has told you maybe 50 words total since you met her? Well, that's a good question. Who did you end up picking? Depending upon which one he marries, not only will his son have a great deal of magic or none, but he will also have his own brides to choose from eventually, who also have maybe 50, 60 words total for you to get to know them by before he, the son has to choose who he's going to marry. Oh, I ended up with Maya for Rice, and um, I chose... Are you, I believe is the name. You meet her... Um, what's his face? I, see, I can't even remember the name. 
Chris, that was his name. Chris is the son of Rice and Maya, and I chose Sari as his wife, who you have to beat the crap out of first time to get some item, and then she tells you, well, fine, you beat me, but I'm going to keep an eye on this thing, and I'm going to join you in order to do that. So she joins you, and man, that girl was well-muscled. Her attacks are doing more damage than anybody else. I think that's why I chose her as Chris's bride. And oh, then... And Jooms? It's Ayn, who's the second generation. Chris is the third. Ayn! <laughs> There's too many characters in this game. See how memorable they are? They have so much dialogue for you to get to know them by. <laughs> yeah, because I chose Sari as Ayn's wife... Chris didn't have much magic and he had no healing magic, so you're forced to depend upon Mew, who is your cyborg friend, and Rice meets her in the first generation when she's just standing out by a lake and has apparently been standing there for hundreds of years waiting for the one she is going to serve. I guess cyborgs are just built really, really well because they can handle standing in the elements for decades. And then when she joins you, she sticks around for all three generations. And so does Rin, who we will talk about in the near future also, but who shows up in this game and is apparently very different because Ren not only has magic in Fantasy Star 3, but he can turn into a plane, a jet ski, and a submarine. I, I guess he forgot how to do all of that in Fantasy Star 4. But he's a, he's a robot too, so he sticks around with you for the whole game. And the other party members, it's a five-person party total for each generation, are determined by you married, and that's it pretty much. Now, so... you got to say, it's a pretty cool concept. I mean, even if you barely got to know the brides and stuff, I mean, at least it gave you this option to say, hey, if you pick bride A or bride B, it changes the game entirely in some ways, based on what your main character, your your next main character is going to be like. I oh, kind of yeah. find that really cool. I mean, compared to some of the games that are doing it now, Agarest War, I'm looking at you. Yeah, I had the most magic of any of my heroes in, in this playthrough, and that was very helpful because he could help Mew out with the healing. And that made things fairly easy on it. You can heal and not run out of magic points until... Actually, I never ran out of magic points at the time, if I recall. This particular game that... Um, the difficulty really depends on how you build your generations. Because you're saying, you know, that you actually had a pretty easy time with it, but, you know, if you picked a character maybe without magic, I mean, there's a good chance that you're probably going to have to either grind more or you'll have to find a better way to, you know move on to the next generation. So. Well, I barely used magic except for healing in this one because, frankly, I found that people with slicers did a fine job of carving up groups and people with powerful weapons did a fine job of carving up strong enemies. And magic yeah. just was the payoff. Although it does have magic. Each spell is part of a grouping of four. Um, Rez is part of a grouping with anti and... Uh, whatever the spell is that brings people back to life. And you can attribute the points within that grouping so that you can enhance the power of certain spells and decrease the ones that you don't think you're going to use very often. I found that pretty interesting. Also, this game has 
possibly the most atrocious battle music I've ever heard, particularly when auto battle is a nice, easy thing here. You just push one button, and then everybody goes off and attacks like an idiot. But if you want to do something smart, you have to listen to this horrible tune that sounds like somebody grabbed a synthesizer from the 70s, gave it to a hyperactive child, and that child was pounding on it in the same place as his head over and over and over and over, and that makes you want to do your decisions as quickly as possible because that noise is so horrible and you never want to hear it again in your life, and you have to because you get into another random battle right after, and you have to hear the horrible, horrible noise. Why? Why did you do that? Uh, trauma. It, just, just, just the mere, <laughs> just so the mere sorry. going back in time and and, and whatnot. Yes, it was, uh, listening to that, I think, it's given me trauma. <laughs> yeah, and then to make to rub salt in your wounds, every boss except the final one has the regular battle music, but that horrible battle theme deserves to be destroyed and to be forgotten forever. Also, annoying about even when you're fighting enemies that you've been stronger than for quite a while, they still might get in the first strike. This is just one of those random turn order things that drives me up the wall. I hate it when things that I've been killing for five hours are still getting the first strike. So yeah, the combat was not as pleasant as wanted. I would also like to mention that the final dungeon has two parts. They're fairly big. The encounter rate makes them obnoxious. And you cannot get out of it except to walk all the way back to the beginning. You cannot use an escape pipe. I tried it. The game won't let you. And that caused me to get two game overs because I thought that I could get out of there after grinding for a while, and I was wrong. So designers of Fantasy Star 3 who thought it would be a hoot to make it impossible to quickly exit the final dungeon, I hate you. Hmm. I would hate them too. That just sounds dreadful. Yeah, and unless you run from everything, which is a stupid idea, you're going to gain at least one level from going through that dungeon anyway. That's how big it is. Uh, I'm sorry, James. That just doesn't sound exciting at all. I feel sorry so you for you. Are you going to fight Dark Force at the end? Yay! Yay! Oh, yes. I, yeah. Okay, Sam, what do you, you have anything to say about Fantasy Star 3 that I didn't cover? I've only played about an hour of it. <laughs> I, I love the concept of it. I really do. It's one of those games I would like to get back into, but I, I don't know if I can go back. It's another one that I, I worried, like, do, do you think it aged well? We, we've already discussed sort of that one and two haven't. What well, about three? It's not, as, it's not as dependent on grinding, although you're still going to need to keep a map handy or else have a really good sense of where everything was because people will tell you, oh, you need to go back there. And unless you remember what the back there they're talking about is, you're going to wander around for a while. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, one aspect of this that really suffers from it being made in 1991 is if you're going to have a romance system, it would really help to get to know the people you're romancing. And that just wasn't expected in games of this vintage, and it didn't happen, and I would have liked to see that. So if you're fine with just choosing a woman based on whether you like the portrait and 
the few lines she said were okay, sounded all right, then fine, go for it. But the concept could have been executed better, and that's where I stand. Well, think of it this way, Jooms. I mean, other games have now done that concept a lot better. Um, I mean, if you if you ever get the chance, play Persona 3. <laughs> Perfect example of how to romance a woman. And, you know, deal with midterm exams before the apocalypse. But, yeah, like... But again, like, there are games... Obviously, you know what, people looked at that generational system... And found new what ways to make Thousand it better. Arms? Didn't Thousand Arms do romancing all right? Thousand Arms did it very well, actually. Um, Thousand Arms, in Thousand Arms, the object was to woo your woman, and in turn, she would help you build better weapons through, like, spirit blacksmithing, I think was the idea. It was like spirit smith. So, for each town that you visited, you'd get a new woman to join your team, and what would happen is, Maius would be able to forge better weapons with them, but in order to do that, he had to go on dates with them, give them gifts, and if he pissed them off, well, you weren't getting a better weapon. <laughs> that, Thousand Arms actually does the, does the whole gener, like, it's not a generational thing, but it's, it's done in such a way where, you know, romancing women helps you, get better skills and it, it gives him as the main character a better skill set like that's that's definitely a game I'd say is totally worth playing uh, if you like your dating sims yeah I will say this Fantasy Star 3's romancing system may not give you much to root for with the personality of the bride but for the battle prowess of her son it sure does make a difference and that makes playing through the game a second time probably worthwhile hmm. if you like it enough to go for it a second time because the game will be very different. Yeah. I mean, other games are trying to pull it off now, like I, I mentioned Agorist War, but, um, I mean, you got to give this game credit for being the first to do it. And, I mean, people like, that's the thing people liked about it. I mean, you could probably do so many different playthroughs and have so many different styles for each main character as each generation goes on. Like, it's not entirely set in stone how you do it. So, I find that pretty cool. I don't know about others, but... I mean, I, this is a game I'd love to see if they'd remake it. I'd be all for it. don't have the final game be the best one, and I think we're not going to have any arguments. Fantasy Star 4 is the best of them. Oh, Fantasy Star 4 is so good. I loves it. So much so that I actually replayed it like two years ago. And I played it on the Genesis, no less. I... I love this game. 
there's so many things that this game does right in terms of how to build a story, how to build really likable characters. And even the battle system is awesome. Yep. That's not the only interesting thing it did in combat. It also gave you several vehicles and yeah, lots of games give you vehicles. But most of them don't let you fight with the vehicles. Yes, that's awesome. Like your drill, the drill was so cool. You could drill things to death. <laughs> I really like the drill. <laughs> yeah, the vehicles have their own hit points, they have their own weapons, and they tend to fight things that you don't see when you're on foot. So you can just run around and fight different things using your vehicle, which has some awesome firepower and will beat the living stuffing out of everything that you come across, unless you're really bad, I guess. I never had a problem. Well, no, I, the vehicles really did make it really easy to cross, you know, the terrain in the game, because you really didn't have to worry about dying, for the most part. I mean, I don't think I died once in the vehicles. You always fought things that were, like, ginormously bigger than you, like sandworms, but, yep. you know, I don't think I remember a sandworm killing me. But I mean, I mean, the the vehicles were kind of awesome. They played really important roles, like the drill, for example, allowed you to access the city of the espers. And you yeah, and I like being drill able to hole. drill through all the ice blocks. Yeah, like it, it just did so many cool things. Um, and I don't know anybody who doesn't love this game. I mean, what I'm just gonna go off and say, like, I love Shaz. I know he's a total dork and total tool. He's adorable, and he's a bounty hunter in training, no less. I mean, and he's the protege of Alice. Uh, yes, Alice, and you know what? She is so badass. It's just like, oh, giant sandworm, I shoot it in the face. Oh, you know, there's this monster, shoot it in the face. <laughs> she was just so hardcore. I mean, and her partner of all people's was this punny little blonde thing who could barely remember which foot was left or right. It was kind of a really good combination. I mean, they, they had really good chemistry, you know, as master and pupil. I mean, and unfortunately, and Alice dies. Unfortunately, Zito came along. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah, one thing that is very different about 4 is they give a much higher focus on story in this one. And the presentation is neat. I've never seen a game that uses what looks like artwork from a comic book to illustrate what's going on before. And it really helps you visualize things without having to rely on... Well, the Genesis had fine... It has fine graphics for the time, but a comic book cutscene is a lot easier to see than the sprites that are on screen doing something instead. And it has a lot of cutscenes, too. Oh, yeah. There, there was so much plot in this game, like which is kind of, I guess, rewarding compared to the other three. If you think about it, I mean, two had was pretty plot heavy too, I suppose. But compared to one and three, yeah, uh, two's plot is pretty sparse. Maybe it, maybe it picks up when you get near the end, but I didn't see too much plot in there. Okay, so let's just put out there: four has plot and lots of it, and my God, it's a whirlwind like from start to finish. That's actually what makes Fantasy Star Four really fantastic is that the plot is always constantly going there's it's got a really good pace like you'll go to one town something gets destroyed you realize oh crap it's Zio gotta go over here 
and then, you know, even after Zio's gone, I mean, it just, it continues. I mean, Dark Force, Dark Force you know, Dark Force is back. He's threatening to destroy the rest of the planets in the Algo Star system. So, you know, you got to go save every planet if possible. And, I mean, that's ultimately what the quest is in this game, is you're trying to save the entire star system. Mm-hmm. Even though it's really challenging. <laughs> Thankfully, I mean, this game, you know, wasn't as difficult as the other three. I mean, I, I definitely liked the fact that the difficulty was very balanced for the most part. I mean, I got game overs, but they were never because I was being, you know, raped by, you know, things that were bigger than me and maybe ten levels higher. Like, that was something you didn't really have to worry about as much. Like, you could progress in the first area and not have to worry about doing, you know, grinding for hours. Which, let's put it out there, it's a bonus. <laughs> you can go explore in this one without much fear of finding something that is incredibly powerful that, is, that will destroy you in one turn. Yep. And exploring is worthwhile because there are things off the beaten path in this game that are fun to look at. One of the big optional things is Chaz's Bounty Hunter membership where you can go off and do bounty tasks. I seem to recall having a lot of trouble finding that little pig that just kept running <laughs> away from you. I don't think I ever got the pig, to be honest. I think I've chased it from town to town, but I don't think I ever got it. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah, I think you thing nice and tasty so that the pig won't run away and will instead eat your food so that you can go take it back to its owner. See, That's a spoiled pig right there. Let's just put, see, this is why it's it's awesome to love Chaz. He's so stupid. <laughs> and by that I mean, like, you feel bad for a novice bounty hunter, and one of his jobs is, go get this pig. Okay. <laughs> I just, I always felt bad for him, and, I, and that's why I kind of always, like, had a little soft spot for him. He's, he's just such a great character. I love the characters in this game. They're all, they're all really good. Like, Rika... Everybody yes, loves Rika. And she's adorable. Like, you know, she's a Newman who wants human feelings. And, you know, she actually falls in love with Chaz. She actually manages to gain human emotion. And that's actually r- really cool. Especially in, like, in a sci-fi story. Because most, you know, bioengineered characters and stuff tend to uh, be very flat and usually very functional. Rika didn't have the issue of being just a functional character. I mean, she she held her own in the plot, and she held her own, you know, on and off, you know, the playing field. So, I mean... She was dang easy to have in combat. Oh, she was powerful. My goodness. She she was really strong. Um, Especially compared, like, especially at the beginning when you had to deal with characters like Han, who were really piss-weak. He was cute, just, my goodness, you couldn't use him <laughs> for anything. He was useful for a little while, but he was just muscle. He didn't have any techniques that I remember. Yeah, no, he, well, no, that's just it. He didn't get any, if I, if I remember correctly. He doesn't actually get any techniques. He he gets, like, all the healing spells and stuff like that, so that's where he's useful. But, I mean, once you get Demi, um, I don't remember him being as useful once you have Demi and Rune. I think I just remember he, he goes kind of on the bench when I did have him. Because he actually does run away for a while, so it's not a big yep. deal. Especially because you get yeah, better characters. <laughs> hmm? 
obviously there was something special about that uh, that starship that everybody was on in Fantasy Star 3 because Gemini and Ren have forgotten how to use magic. Yes. We might have never learned it, but Ren knew magic in Fantasy Star 3, and I don't know what the heck happened. I didn't know robots could have amnesia. They both forgot. Either that or maybe chips, you know, fragged in their brains. Magic. What is magic? I don't know. I mean, they're they're androids. (laughs) You know, someone could have tinkered with them along the way, or, you know, they could have been out in space for a while and, you know, had their brains freeze over. I don't know. But go Ren. Ren was really powerful. Oh, yeah. I mean, he he was worth keeping around just because he, he was your muscle. Where Rika was... He never left, as I recall. Yeah, he doesn't leave. Um, The only... I think the only character who leaves and then comes back, if I'm not mistaken, isn't it Han? Han's one of the only ones who who leaves and then eventually you have the option to take him with you. But by that point, I mean, you get characters like... You have the option to take anybody who was formerly a part of your team with you for the end. Yeah, that's right. At the end of the game... Say, who did you have to permanently keep with you at the end of the game? It was... Yeah, it was Rika, Ren, and... and... Was it Oh, yeah. Um, it's What's-His-Face, who I'm going to have to look up the name of. Our magician uh, friend. Oh, Rune. You mean Rune. Rune, there we go. Yeah, the guy who joins you at, what was it, level 15 or something early on, so that, you, yeah. so that you're fooled into thinking... Hey, he's smacking things and killing them with one hit. He must be really powerful. And then you get him back a little later and you go, Oh, wait. He's a magic user. He can't kill things easily anymore with his fists. I was stupid. See, if I remember correctly, when I finished this game, I think I want to say I took... It was either Kira or Raja to the end of my game. I think it was Kira when I played it last. And that's just because Kira was, uh, you know, she was an esper, so she she had a good balance. Um, of, like she was very balanced in the kinds of abilities she had. I remember her being pretty useful. I remember Ra- I remember Raja not being particularly useful at the end of the game. He was just awesome because he had a really quick sense of humor. Yeah, his lines probably should have been translated better, but they were still kind of a groan worthy when you look at it. <laughs> He had bad puns and whatnot. <laughs> he took a with me the last time I went, which made things interesting because magic that heals people doesn't work on cyborgs in Fantasy Star 4. That makes things more complicated when you heal people. Yeah, you have to be careful. You have to have, like, what is it? I don't even remember what the item was called that you used to heal the androids. This is also the one I'm going to actually throw down the gauntlet and say, you know what, this one actually aged well. I mean, I played it two years ago, and it still felt very fresh to me. I mean, I'd played it years ago, and I don't remember beating it when I was younger, but playing it, you know, two years ago, I actually had a blast playing it. I didn't think that the combat system felt stale. The story was really unique. I mean, there was, like I said, leaps and bounds, yes, this is the best one, but this is one that you could probably play now, and it's still very enjoyable. At least compared to the other three. I so, agree. Yeah. 
Like this, this one really doesn't have the age issue, nor does it have the grinding issue or the punishing difficulty or the, hey, um, I don't know my bride. She had spoken to me like maybe twice issues. So. Yep. Um, honestly, like you just, there's not a lot of set sci-fi RPGs out there that specifically say, I am sci-fi. I have a rocket ship and I take you to another planet. Um, there's not a lot of those. I mean, and we're not, I'm not gonna say it count the Star Trek games or the Star Wars games because they're already, you know, well established and whatnot. And, but I mean, for, especially for a Japanese RPG, um, sci-fi RPGs don't really exist in Japan for the most part. Except for this series. So. Yeah, unless we throw tactical games in, which doesn't really count, because uh, the one I'm thinking of, Super Robot Tyson, is more about fan service than it is about serious sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, but again, it it can count because you know what? It, it is. It's about futuristic giant robots from established giant robot franchises, and I mean, again, you're right. It's probably more memorable for its fan service. But it can count in the category as a sci-fi RPG. It, you are traveling in space. You are, you know... Nice. Attempting to blow crap up in space. So, and there's breasts in space. So, I mean... Thinking of the frontier, which is also sci-fi, I would say, but it's... Why are we talking I was about to say, that? I thought we were talking about sci-fi we're breasts. About sci-fi you know, games. And I just this... felt the need to bring up breasts because of endless boobs. <laughs> the other thing, the ports and whatnot of Fantasy Star, because it hasn't... They've, it, the games have shown up on things other than the match system for Genesis, of course. Yep. For instance, like... Sega Ages version of Fantasy Star 1, which, of course, we didn't get because it changed a bit and Sega couldn't be bothered to bring that out over here. It is apparently somewhat easier. They have added more plot to it. The graphics obviously are not exactly standouts by the PS2 standards, but they have improved considerably over the Master System. And if it had come out over here, it just might have enticed some people to play the game who couldn't be bothered to ever play the Master System original. And yes, like I said, it's apparently easier than the original. So it might actually be completable in a reasonable amount of time by Miss Marcello here. Yay! Eventually! <laughs> yes, you can import it now. Uh, no thanks. I'll, I'll go back to the, the GBA one, which is the one I've been playing. Uh, and the yeah, GBA and the one is... Hmm? Go ahead. Sorry, no, the GBA oh, one I... has a prone to crashing... Yeah, doesn't it have a save bug where sometimes if you try to save, the game just crashes? Story of my life. And then in the Sega Ages collection, they did Fantasy Star 2, which apparently they kept the difficulty pretty close to the original for, lucky us, but tinkered with the story a little bit, added bits to it, tinkered with the graphics, increased the walking speed... Because, yeah, you don't walk very fast in that game. Not in the original version. It's okay, because we ended up getting it on every other console ever. <laughs> yeah, but we didn't get that version. The 
good version. version. <laughs> Let's call it the good version. <laughs> At least for Fantasy Star well, 1. Yeah, apparently that version is better than the original, although it's hard to say without having played it and without it being in English. And they apparently I... changed it enough that facts of the Master System version aren't quite accurate. They've added some fetch quests, apparently, that you need to either speak Japanese or find a PS2 ex- exclusive guide for. Hmm. I'll, I still take the fact that it's easier over that, yeah. though. Just because that, yeah, that game... Yeah, apparently you actually smart. start quite a bit of money at the beginning of the game, which would help out immensely. Yes! I could buy a titanium sword. Not be stuck with my crappy, what was it, iron sword? Yeah. Yeah, I could use a titanium sword at the beginning of the game. That'd be awesome. Instead of grinding for four hours. Just saying. Uh, yeah. Let's see. As for, as for collections of the game, like I said, you start with the Fantasy Star Collection on the Saturn, which, of course, did not come out over here because it came out late 97 and Sega was not about to be bothered to bring something like that over in that era but it had all four of the games along with as I I believe it was a fair amount of background material on the series which would have been nice to look at but no we never saw that over here we had to wait for the Fantasy Star Collection on GBA which Sam has been playing lately and she can tell us all about I really really hate that saving bug a lot I've had to redo portions of Fantasy Star 1 thanks to that awful saving bug. It's... You know what? Outside of the saving bug, um, they do play great on the GBA. Like, they they fit very comfortably. If it wasn't for that saving bug, they'd be really awesome for the most part. Like, I, I really don't mind... Especially, like, it's it's a really surreal feeling to play Fantasy Star 1 on the GBA on a DS and then doing those first-person dungeons. <laughs> it kind of feels weird. I don't know. It, those first-person dungeons just do a number on my head, but I'll stick with them. But they play really good for the most part. Just, again, it's a shame that that saving bug is in there because if you get caught with it, I mean, you can lose a lot of progress if you don't save frequently. Thankfully, I'm, you know, a crazy saver in that, and particularly with that game, I save, like, every battle or every other battle, because... Oh, yeah, that's know. right. Fantasy Star 1 lets you save whenever you want. Yes. When, like... For 88, I, I that was easy. Well, I mean, compared to, I think, what was it, 4? I know 4 had save points, if I remember correctly. I don't remember I about 2 and 3. <laughs> did 3 have save points? Oh, yes, it did. You have to go yeah. into town and go to the inn to save. But, and then there was you know, another Fantasy Star collection on uh, PS2, again, only in Japan, that is pretty much like the collection on Saturn, except apparently it has easy and very easy modes where you amp up your experience and money received. I'm not sure how you access those, but those would be very interesting. It also um, includes... Um, there was a text adventure game related to Fantasy Star 2 that's on that collection and a couple of Game Gear Japan-only Fantasy Star games that one of them 
well, they're not supposed to be anything special, but they're both on that PS2 collection, which never came here, so it's just a pipe dream to ever dream of thinking, being able to understand it without a fact. And the games just keep popping up in these Sega compilations that are thro- being thrown around all over the place. It sounds like, and listening through this with you guys, that it really wouldn't be worth playing through the first three to get to the excellent fourth one, even though uh, some of the things and some of the story does carry over. But, I mean, help me out here. What do you really think at the end of the day? If I want to play Fantasy Star, should I just play four, or should I play through all of them first to get the backstory? It's unfor- I'm going to say, personally for me, it's not worth it. Mm. The, the downfall, unfortunately, is that these games really are all connected to each other. Like, the plot is pretty c- continuous up until 4, and they always go back and reference each other. I mean, that's kind of one of the big things. Like, I mean, there's a statue in Fantasy Star 4 of Aelis Landale from the first game, and that statue is actually important to Fantasy Star 4. So I mean Yeah, and Meow Meow from the first game makes a cameo appearance in four. He gives you a good uh, weapon. Yes he does. So I mean like these these games are always constantly referencing each other and I mean, once you get to Fantasy Star Four, I mean, you'll see some of the references from the other games. I mean, if you've even played little bits and pieces of them, like there's stuff you will be able to recognize. And at least it'll always constantly refer back to what's happened in the previous games, like I believe it's the first game that was it Palma gets destroyed. But what, what was the second one? In the second one, Palma gets destroyed, and you know that's always referenced in the fourth game because there's only three planets left in the Elgo star system. No, there are three planets until midway through the game. They think there's only two until the hidden one gets unveiled. Yes, sorry, that's right. But so there's two planets up until mid-game, then there's three. Um, which you only go to the two, for the most part, at the beginning of four anyways, which is Droltz and uh, Metrovia. So. Yep. And, so, I mean, th- these are games that are, unfortunately, because of their, their high difficulty and the level of patience you need, that you won't be able to get all the references if you haven't played them all the way through. And it sounds like, for the most part, that difficulty, when you use that word uh, in listening to you all talk about the entire series, it seems like difficulty really translates into just a ton and ton of grinding. I mean, a game, you know, just because it throws hard monsters at you doesn't, in my opinion, mean it's really quote-unquote difficult. Um, Just because it forces you to grind up a bunch of monsters, I think the word tedious (laughs) might better uh, apply to something like that because before you go on to the next area... Uh, it forces you to to get your characters up to a certain level if you're going to uh, keep going on. Now, uh, compare that to, let's say, um, Dragon Age Origin. That combat was called difficult. Uh, Not only were the enemies kind of tough, but really in order to win the day, you had to make full use of the spells and the strategies and things like that. Now, that to me would be quote-unquote difficult as opposed to what it sounds like and, and... Definitely correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like when y'all were talking about, uh, you know, number two especially, but one, two, and three, that a lot of it was really just more all that grinding that you needed just to be able to get your levels or to get the the money that you needed to buy or to create anything. It really sounded more tedious than anything else. Is that right? In Fantasy Star 2, as I recall, the further you get, the more you actually will need to think about what you're doing Hmm. because the enemies get powerful enough that 
If you don't play so, smart, you're going to be um, So yeah. overall, give me, I mean, do you think do you think it's worth grabbing? Do you all think it's worth grabbing maybe Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection? Because that's what probably most people will be playing this on. Uh, or something similar than that to uh, play through at least four, even if they didn't play through the other ones? Um, I will give... I would say, yeah. Um, Fantasy Star 4 really... I know, for me, and obviously for Jooms, it mm. really is the best game of the series. And you know what? You can always look up on Wikipedia or something, just for all the little teensy-weensy things you missed out Bonus. on. Um, and not to mention, Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection has Shining Force... So you can play that too. <laughs> I yeah, still never played a Shining Force game, doesn't it? Hmm? It also has Streets of Rage, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Streets of Rage is awesome. I beat that again. Oh recently. yeah. Oh. So I mean, Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection. I mean, it's got a lot of great games on there. I mean, it has all four Fantasy Star games. Um, you have to unlock Fantasy Star One, unfortunately. But, I mean, it is there. It's not a Genesis game. <laughs> exactly. It's not a Genesis game, but it's part of a series, so they threw it on there. Um, I mean, it has a bunch of other great RPGs on it. It has, uh, like I said, Shining Force. Um, it has Beyond Oasis, which I've heard mixed things about. Uh, <laughs> another one of Jooms' favorite games, Fatal Labyrinth, is on there. So, I mean, definitely, I mean, like the Sonic Ultimate Genesis Collection is also dirt cheap. So, I mean, you get Fantasy Star you games. Get great value. You, you get a great value out of it, and especially because the Fantasy Star games, I mean, they're fairly long games for the most part. So, I mean, you're going to get well worth your buck for it, especially for Fantasy Star 4, because that one's actually about, I, I think I did it in 30-ish hours. Um, so, I mean, like, it's worth it, I think. Uh, especially, I mean, the quality of the games, playing it on an HD TV is okay. <laughs> um, definitely better than, you know, a game that I'm reviewing right now called Record of Agorist War, just saying. It looks fugly on my TV. My mom even said, she goes, this game looks kind of ugly. I'm like, I know. Um, I was playing Fantasy Star 1 on the GBA. Um, if I replay the mm-hmm. other ones, I do actually still have my Genesis, so I could technically hook that up. But I probably won't. I'll probably play it on the PS3. Um, and if anything, I think the next one I am going to try out is the third one. I, I don't know if I have any desire to go back to two. <laughs> um, but three... Be because out a while. Let's say, uh, exactly. I'd be at it for a while. Max Storm would probably kill me because I'm not reviewing games mm-hmm. or doing editorials or, you know, doing things. So uh, I think I'll avoid two. At least three sounds like something I could actually complete. If I poured time into it. Yeah, so. I gotta say, one of the reasons, one of the times I died in three was because I happened to find this box at the end of the last dungeon. And silly me, I thought, this box is, is placed where I could just might find a useful piece of equipment in it. Well, lo and behold, it had Dark Force in it. And I was about out of mana, and I was just, this is before I knew that I couldn't use an escape pipe to get out. So, Dark Force Massacre. But then when I came into that fight prepared, I took him down pretty easily. So you shouldn't have too much of a problem. 
you know, definitely great job there, Mike and Sam. I think, uh, I think a lot of people, and it, it was educational for me, because unfortunately I, I haven't had a chance to do, I, I have never played that series before. I, I never really had a Genesis. And I saw the series, you know, on some of these collections. Yes, I got. <laughs> I saw the collection on some of these series, and and having touched them a little, you know, having touched them. That sounds real great. Um, having played them a little bit uh, on an emulator, they they just came across as extremely archaic or whatnot. It must have been because I started off with two or three, but <laughs> but it's 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 definitely nice to know that four has a has a lot of life, and it sounds sounds really uh, interesting. And I think I might just take. Sam's advice there and just read a wikis on the first three, you know, get the plot overviews on the first three and then dive into four would probably be the best route to go there. So thank you all very much. Uh, with that, we'll, with that wrap up, let's go ahead and head over to Mike's Import Corner. talking about another Sega game. This is called Vixen 5-7, which, well, the maker of this game might be known to a few people, Messiah. They did a lot of shooters, and they did a little series called Longerser, which I am very familiar with, and not many other people are in this neck of the world, because only the first game came out in English, and all the others stayed in Japan, and they were almost all better than the first one. But anyway, this one... You can see little bits of influence from the first Longrisser game in it, but it's very much its own animal. You, it's a tactical game, first of all. You control several pilots who run around in robots and fight things. That much makes it sound like a whole lot of other things. But the particulars of this one are interesting. First of all, you can attack after moving or move after attacking. You can do any of that with any weapon. It doesn't matter. And so can the enemy. Your robots have generally don't have any healing abilities unless you stuff them into your carrier plane, which flies around and will gorge out all of the robots and pilots you currently have. And if they're in, and they'll heal a good 30, 40% per turn. So it's a pretty effective means of uh, preserving yourself. Ooh. One other thing this has in common with the original Longrisser, if you let somebody die... That person is dead forever. And this is not like Fire Emblem, where you are swarmed with characters more than you need, more than you can ever deal with in a realistic battle. You need every person in this game. So if you lose somebody, you might as well reset because you need all your people. You get just enough to actually. You don't even quite get enough to man all the robots you're getting. That's how few characters there are in this game. So you need them. Uh. There have been several challenging battles so far, one of which I had a lot of stupid enemies who like to sit off in the ocean and chuck rockets at a bunch of operator stations that couldn't fight back and 
naturally were the draw of their fire, and I had to protect them, or at least one of them. That got pretty tense because only one of them was left by the end of the battle, the one I needed to protect, and it had maybe 150 hit points out of 1,300 total. And then I just got through a battle which throws the usual rules of tactical RPGs on its head. You outnumber the enemy in this one. They're just a lot better than you are, so you've got to fight smart. And when you disgorge a robot from your carrier, you have a certain amount of choice over the weapon it's going to carry. Not too much. Most of the robots have only a few weapons they can choose from. But it's nice to have that option, and it determines what kind of range you're going to have, what kind of uh, attack power it's going to have, and what kind of accuracy you're going to get. Also, the enemy likes to be very annoying because you can only counterattack if the enemy uses melee. If it uses a ranged weapon, then you can't counter. And that's very clearly defined. You have a ranged weapon and a melee weapon on your robot both of which have their own separate attack statistics and ammunition requirements. So far, I'm having a blast at this. Uh, at first, I thought it was taking too long because the animation sequences can drag on, especially when lots of AI guys are going at it and you have no say in it. But then I discovered that you can turn the combat animations off. In a game from 1992, you can turn the combat animations off. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Why, haven't every, why hasn't every game developer learned that in the years since? I don't know. It's a good tactical game. I'm having fun with it. I'll get a review up sometime whenever I have a working computer. And unless something horribly drastic happens in the last third of it that makes me go, what is this? How did you change? And why are you garbage now? So would you say this game is easy to import? Well, you're not going to get much of the story, but that's fine. Uh, I'm a veteran of the Long Racer games, and the menu system is very, very similar to Long Racer. Even if you aren't a veteran, you'll get the idea real fast. It's not that dissimilar from other tactical games you may have played. Oh, I should, I should include the beautiful English wording on the front cover of it, which says, in 2396, secretly developed vector replaced third, which has been a capital weapon. Now they restart war to find the well, secret. Pretty cool. Well, with all that being said, while well, you guys go and look that up on eBay and look to import your own copy of Vixen 357, we're going to take a little break and we'll be back in a minute to wrap this up with the last lap. We received quite a number of messages, plus we even got a wonderful voice review uh, talking about uh, talking about all these uh, uh, the games, uh, the Fantasy Star games, and uh, a little bit on uh, what we were talking about last uh, on last backtrack. Um, but we're going to put that on at the end of the show. 
um, after Mike sends us off. So stay tuned afterwards. The show is not quite over. You're going to want to hear what all of our uh, all of our wonderful fans on the bulletin board have to say. And and so we definitely give a big thanks to to everybody who's taken the time out to do that. On our next show, uh, Mike, do you know what game we're talking about on next show? Well, it has to do with a weather formation. I think it's called a squall, and it has to do with um, people falling in love in space or something. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of it. it Adjunctioning, I think. But gosh, this is this is a really obscure one, folks. I'm not sure if I'm going to remember the name. Uh, Nobuo Uematsu did the music. Um, Tetsuya Nomura had some role. Mm. You have I to gather what this game is going to be. <laughs> I don't have a working computer, so I can't. So right next now. week we'll be talking about Final Fantasy VIII, and we'll see just how much hate or love oh, there right. is for the middle child of the PlayStation One Final Fantasy games. We'll also be kicking off our very first PC pit stop with a little chat about Quest for Glory One. Just a reminder, of course, you can write your question and comments on our boards, or you can email them to jcservant at rpgamer.com. Uh, remember, you can always record and email your two-minute reviews on any games we're going to talk about next show with questions, comments, etc. We take everything. Feel free to follow us at twitter.com forward slash rpgamer and become one of our biggest fans at facebook.com forward slash rpgamer. Sam, thank you so much. I, I, I really thought this was going to be a big uh, short show, but actually, according to the little clock here, this is probably going to break our record. This is might even surpass Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> Yeah, unless I unless I do some serious editing here, we're we're already clocked in at over an hour and a half. So, uh, yeah, really? Oh God! Yeah. The only the only thing I guess I can say is if you haven't played Fantasy Star Four, what are you, you're missing out? Well, we're weeding. You know, the thing about E3, if you don't even waste your time watching it, don't even. You're watching all these videos about a whole bunch of games you don't care about. Ninety percent of this stuff is motion control, first-person shooters, blah blah blah. Just go to rpgamer.com and we'll tell you about what really matters. The the RPGs, of course. <laughs> so, what few uh, what few new RPGs there are, we are absolutely positively covering every single one of them. Huh. To our audience, we thank you for listening to RPG Backtrack. As always, you are the reason we do this. Please hang on tight after the end of the show, and we will happily read your comments and uh, and play your audio clips. RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email jcservant at rpgamer.com and help shape our future shows. As always, listen to our previous podcast as well as our awesome sister show, RPGcast at rpgamer.com. Mike, take us home. The Algo system is full of twos and reses, foys and grabs, watts and zons, debons and rivets. Dark Force is gone, the random encounters are finally dropping off, Rain is trying to remember how to turn into a jet ski, Rika has to wait 17 years to vote even though Motavia may not actually have
So as we promised, uh, we're gonna we're gonna read some of these letters. We really couldn't squeeze them into the main part of the show just due to the sheer length. Uh, the, the show was actually so long, I ended up cutting a lot of our conversation out, just trying to keep it focused on the great stuff about this Fantasy Star series that we've been talking about. Well, we saw that wasn't so great, was it, Mike? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> no comment. So, Mike and I here, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna say, we, we want, we definitely want to take some time to read some of the comments here, uh, from, from y'all on the forums. Uh, most of them were about Fancy Star, but, uh, some of y'all also wrote about our last show where we talked about the uh, Shadow Run. So, with that being said, uh, one of the rules that we have when we kind of read letters, we reserve the right to interrupt each other while we're reading it and, and give our, our opinions of what we We'll answer any questions, or we might jump in and say something. So, you want to take the, the first letter there, Mike? Oh, why not? This comes from Foul Sorceress, who will probably be joining us on one of these backtracks I hope in the near so. future. Yeah. I, there's one I have planned that he, in particular, will be very helpful on. And he said about Shadowrun that kind of wanted to see it on this episode, but couldn't do the scheduling. I'll give you the rundown on Shadowrun, the tabletop game. As a whole, the game is plunky, cumbersome, and hard to play. The premise of the setting is derivative and poorly carried out. The horrible neuromancer meets the Lord of the Rings and could work, but they made a hash of the execution. As the game developed, it became slightly more, play- more playable, but still easily broken. A fix that limits a character to only 46 dice on a roll is not a fix. As it drifted away, the core feel of the game, spiritualism versus technology, to, hey, I can use magic to surf the internet. What really galls me is that it's still the most successful tabletop cyberpunk game ever made. I did try to play the Super Nintendo version. This is my impression of the first hour presented in Stream of Consciousness. Opening crawl. Hey, exposition that was probably on the back of the box! Opening animation. So, it's the opening of Blade Runner with a space needle instead superimposing a human eye over the scene in a symbolically and thematically interesting way. Sweet. Orb scene. I'm an amnesiac who, wrote up, who woke up in a morgue. Game. Reminding me of better media is not helping your cause. Eh, might as well loot the place. Actual gameplay. I have no clue to where to go. Let's just wander out. Ah! Everyone wants to be dead. I'm not reading the game. Won't let me punch guys. Run away! Hey, if that dead guy in an alley has a gun, let's grab that. You have been killed by an orc. Restart? Yes, no. I select no. I'm not saying <laughs> Does not give a good first impression. <laughs> I think I said my say on this last time, so there's no need to go into any further detail. But I already said so much about that game. <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, yeah, and you know it's definitely one of those things when it comes to retro gaming. Uh, you can get into some of these games, and they just have a really, really bad uh, first impression. Um, and so, with so many other great games that are out there these days, you know, not to mention the you know, a ton of retro games that we have to pick from as well. I don't know if you really, you know, I think we kind of talked about it already, like you said, but I know some people just aren't going to feel it's worth pushing past the initial uh, difficulty as well as the fact it really doesn't hold your hand and you got to figure out a lot of stuff on your own. I don't think a lot of people are willing to push push past that to get to some of the better, uh, you know, gameplay mechanics and stuff that are underneath the surface. Yeah, and with that one in particular, even the gameplay mechanics are a very, very mixed bag. Yeah, I mean, when you're making an action RPG with a controller that's not even analog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Pac-Man was in Pac- I mean, that's the same controller we were using on Pac-Man back in 1980. It just doesn't work well with, <laughs> you know, an action RPG 15 years later. Anyway, uh, Nurgle wrote, Okay, I'm very tired this moment, so please excuse any rambling incoherence. Spoilers ahoy! Oh, we, we love spoilers. The, yeah, the, we have absolutely no problem with those, everybody. Mm-hmm. Feel free to spoil everything, but be prepared for people to come after you for it like they sometimes do come after us. Legal disclaimer, rpgamer.com is not responsible for anybody that might come after you because you decide to include spoilers in your forum post. Okay, with that being said, the original Fantasy Star Quadrology... See, I'm not the only one who uses that word. ...are my all-time... I thought, is it quadrilogy or quadrology? You know, I personally say quadrilogy, but, you know, I'm not exactly... And exact. are there quintilogies? Are there sextilogies? Are there septilogies? Septilogies, octilogies, I mean, you know... Yeah, what would, be the, what would be the Star Trek films now? There are 11 of them. What's the... Well, if they get one of- more, then it would be a dodeca trilogy. So, <laughs> 12-sided, I know. 11, I'm a little out there on that one, but... Well, we know there's going to be a sequel to the recent Star Trek, so we just have to wait a little while for the dodecadilogy yeah. of Star Trek. Hey, you know, want to have some fun with your kids. Tell them that they can't have their dinner until they can spell dodecahilogy correctly. I can't even pronounce it, much less spell it. So Dodecahedron, that's it. Yeah. The original Fantasy Star Quadrology are my all-time favorite traditional JRPG games because of their unmistakable style, interesting gameplay, and imaginative characters. The first entry in the series, though largely unimpressive by today's standards, was very interesting and groundbreaking in concept and design. The sci-fi setting and strong female protagonists, both executed well, set it apart from the early iterations of Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy. I'd like to also say here that since it came out before either of those in North America, if you had a master system, this was pro- this was definitely cemented in your head as an early RPG forebear to everything, really. Yeah, I mean, just listening to y'all talk about it with my own experience and knowledge of, of RPGs at that time, it really did sound like it brought a number of new elements to the table that were really ahead of its time. I mean, it doesn't sound like it held up well over the years, but definitely I can, I could see that. Well, not many other RPGs from 1988 have held up all that well either. You've got to give it that. And no, even my beloved Gold Box games are kind of tough to go back to. Fantasy Star 2, though grindy and punishingly difficult at times, Desilois, ah! however you pronounce it, is incredibly charming and has aged well. The visuals are cool and often trippy. The enemy designs interesting and intricate. The battle's fast-paced, which is a blessing considering the high random encounter rate, and the plot and its cast very memorable, despite the minimalist approach. One of the coolest aspects of 2 is the revelation at the very end of the game that essentially confirms the implication that Fantasy Star takes place in our universe. The Algol system actually exists in our galaxy and isn't too far away from us. The theme of environmentalism versus technological advancement, which would be expanded upon in 4, was also quite interesting and ahead of its time for a video game, at least. The most memorable and infamous part of Fantasy Star 2, however, is the death of the major of a major protagonist, Nay, which was a major downer on a plot and gameplay level, considering she was an interesting character, more powerful than others, and was in your team almost the whole time up to biosystems, which meant you had to replace her with somebody else who was probably level 1, unless you did extra grinding in addition to the party, uh, oh, I'm sorry, in addition to the pretty much mandatory level of uh, Meister grinding. 
So it sounds like these guys already had a whole corner on the whole Ares dying thing for, you know, a decade before Ares actually kicked the bucket. Well, yeah, this came out in 1989. Ares was uh, uh, just a faraway glance in Tetsuya Nomura's eyes at that point. <laughs> Gleam in his Whatever eyes. He was, <laughs> uh, he was probably playing Fantasy Star 2, so. <laughs> or Fantasy Star 1. Maybe. He had to do it on the side, though, because Square never developed anything for Sega systems. Mm. He was he was he was checking out what the enemy was doing. The music during the rare boss fights is really cool too, and that song that plays in some shops uh, is literally impossible to get out of your head. I really love the game more than all the other Final Fantasies up to nine. Even after then, only twelve surpasses Fantasy Star Two in my eyes. Twelve? Mm. Twelve? Somebody actually liked the story and stuff in twelve? Wow, that's nice. Well, I have to say that I don't remember the boss music in Fantasy Star 2, but that's because I only heard it once when you fight the clone Ney, and, um... Yeah, that was right about at the point where I set it down and never came back to it. And Nergil's uh, got a link to uh, to the show song, the, sh- the, the music that plays uh, in some of the shops. And uh, Nergil, for taking the time to uh, provide that link, what I'll go ahead and do is I will use that music in one of the transitions. So, there you go. Um, Fantasy Star 3 did some interesting things, but also took some huge steps back from 2, both graphically and gameplay-wise. The generation thing was a fresh take on linear JRPG progression, and the cast of characters was colorful and eccentric. The story at first seemed like that of a spin-off or guiding game, not adding much to the overall series. However, main revelations are made over the course of the game that have an impact on the entire canon. I don't really have much else to say about this one because I haven't played as much as 2 or 4. It's a nice little game, though. Colorful and eccentric. Uh, <laughs> I guess I can give you that, but... Well, you have to be concerned with those... are developed for me to really care about them in any way. Yeah, and you have to you have to be a little concerned when those are uh, the, the major highlights. <laughs> it, the fact that if, if the biggest things you can say about an RPG is that it's colorful and eccentric... Maybe. No, he's not saying that about the game as a whole. He's saying about that... The cast of characters, cast right. Of characters. Yeah, yeah, you know, I just saw... Yeah, uh, so... Hmm. For me and probably many others, 4 is the highlight of the franchise. It is also one of my favorite games of any genre ever. The story, which is a lot deeper and developed than that of previous incarnations, is really interesting and tackles some pretty big themes. The visuals are awesome, stylish, trippy, and distinctly fantasy star. The music is some of the best in video game history, my favorite pieces being the high-tech dungeons and during the final boss fights. The gameplay is at once deeper and more accessible than in the previous games, which makes it a genre-defining experience. The cast of characters is very strong, and many weird and wonderful folk joining your crew. I always find it amusing walking around with a team of individuals ranging from ages 1 to 999 and beyond. In case you didn't guess from my avatar, Rika, the technically one-year-old, claw-wielding Newman, is my favorite character. Like 2, 4 also deals with the death of a major protagonist, though for some reason I found Nye's death in 2 sadder. Guess I have a thing for Newman. 4 contains many shortcuts, uh, I'm sorry, shout-outs to the previous games, especially 1 with Ailee Eilis, the community of intelligent cats, etc., and closes the contu- continuity on a satisfying note with a subtly awesome plot twisting culminating in an epic final boss battle. I'd say more, but I pretty much run out of steam and have Mass Effect 2 begging to be played. I have to say, Nurgle, I'm very happy that you spelled Newman the way you did, because if you had spelled it a slightly different way, that would mean you had a thing for Wayne Knight from Seinfeld, and that would be wrong. Very, very wrong. 
So, well, thank you very much for, for that letter, Nurgle. And like I said, appreciate the link. We'll get that soundtrack uh, integrated into the show. So um, I'm pretty sure you probably already heard it since we're putting this section at the end of the show. <laughs> oh, boy. You got, we got one more letter for us there, Mr. Mike? comes from Hombres. As for Shadowrun, I only played the one on the SNES. I did play it with a friend that I think helps a lot to appreciate it. It's been a great while ago, so I don't remember any details. I know we did grind karma at the beginning a lot, which is very helpful. If you put your stats up to the max in body, then enemy attacks will mostly miss you. Yeah. If you don't, then they'll mostly hit you and kill you quickly. Now, in that game, uh, I, I, you may have mentioned it, but I already forgot, but do, do, uh, can you play two people co-op? Maybe. I don't remember the manual saying anything about it, and I certainly didn't have anyone willing to devote any time to trying it with me. I will say that that would partially explain why you can never directly control any of the people you hire out to be on your team in the game, if a second player can control them. But that wouldn't help you much if those people still can't be adjusted in terms of stats. But one other thing that I remember the most is that we were always stuck somewhere and did not know what to do until the next Nintendo Power came out. And some people asked about it and we were able to continue. It did happen at least twice and we did not have the internet to help either. But at the end, we did manage to finish it and we did have a lot of fun with it. Well, yeah, anything that you can play with two players generally will have either happy memories or two people just having fun cursing up a storm at it. Yeah, I mean... I can curse to myself, but it's just not the same. Yeah, whenever you have a co-op or even a party experience, uh, you know, I've always found it fascinating how much people like Mario Party. Um, I'm a big fan of board games. I've played a ton of different board games. So when I played Mario Party, and I did on a single player, I was... I was pretty much upset because it, as a as a board game goes, even with the mini games that are used in between to earn the extra coins and, and stuff, it's very, very, very poorly designed. But people love it because they can, you know, get all around the Wii or whatever and, and have three or four people play it at once. And despite how unbalanced it is, <laughs> yeah, especially if you got a few beers involved, that just cranks up the fun factor. Yeah, I got a bottle of Bex in the fridge, but I wasn't going to blow it on this. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would take more than Bex to get you through this one. <laughs> it might take you. Bucket. Oh, it's a big I'm about to say it might take a few Bex. <laughs> Next, Fantasy Star. Well, that is still to this day my favorite series. I'll try to add some input to the ad to the great comments from Nurgle. I remember perfectly the first time that I played the first one at a friend's house. Still new to RPGs, my friend told me where to start grinding my first couple of levels, and he told me, don't go into the forest or you will die. Oof. So I was running up and down just in, outside the city in the small place that was next to the forest. The other thing I really liked about the first one was the dungeons. It was my first experience with this kind of dungeon, the first person knew, and it was very easy to get lost, and the worst was the Iron Claw Cave. I ran around that cave so many times because of all the trapdoors, but was able to get out of there with barely any hit points left and out of healing items and spells. Good times. Great last couple of boss musics, too. For the second one, well, it came with a guide with all the maps of the dungeons, so it was a lot easier for that part. Lots of grinding, but it was fun to have so many characters to pick from. The hardest part of the game was the second-to-last boss. It was able to control, paralyze my team, and crush all my chances to beat it. Needed a bit of luck to take that one out. I'm assuming that's Mother Brain since Dark Force, as I understand, pops up after you beat Mother Brain. So apparently the computer that controls pretty much everything on an entire planet is a nasty boss. I, I'm pleased to hear that, I suppose. Otherwise, it would be a real letdown. 
As for the third one, well, it was different, but still fun. One of the musics that I like most is when your main character was dead. I did not want to res him. And... Yeah, I can sort of say that it, even with how generally terrible the music in battle is, and everyone remembers what I just said about that, the it does change based on circumstances in battle. If you're winning, it changes to a different tune that's not much better, but it feels like two chords instead of one being dashed out on a 70 synthesizer by a hyperactive child. <laughs> uh, but the problem is, if you, especially near the end, if you let one of your people die, then the other people all have to take up the slack in battle, and that's not wise, because it's very, very easy to just tip off the slope and have everybody die, and then, oh, look at that. I was so ha I was so reluctant to put on my iPod or something else that I'm dead, and I have to go redo that entire hour of grinding. Lucky me. It was fun. Finished it at least two times trying to see all the endings. I think I only missed one of them since a friend finished another, but it was a nice piece of history that brings up to Final, Fan to Final Fantasy Star Online. And as Nurgle says, the fourth was one of the best. For me, it was as good as the first. It was fun to get to fly the ship that Alice Landale made in the first Fantasy Star. It was great to see that she was a hero and people still remember today. The cast of the story was great, too. It was a great finish to the story, even if I did feel sad to know the series was over and all we got after that was online games. Can't wait to hear what you think about this series. And apparently, it makes Ombre's laugh every time at the end when, you tr when we sell the site. At least try to change it a bit every time just for fun. You know, that little jingle I do at the end, that was written by professional used car salesmen. And it's been blessed by our legal department. So I don't get a whole lot of leeway there. This is developed and approved by people who are much more qualified than I am. You know, that, I don't know. If you mess with the formula, the whole thing just might fall apart and we might get sued or something. I'm not sure. Yeah... And, you know, this time I did mention the spill in the Gulf, and you know people are going to be on the lookout for that, so I I want to be protected from any possible action. I don't think that the shrimp farmers of Louisiana will come after me, but they might. They're in a pretty rotten mood right now, and I can't really blame them. <laughs> um, we do have we have one more uh, comment, but it's an audio comment that uh, Strawberry, I believe the handle Strawberry Eggs, mailed in. So we'll get that actually added right on at the end here. And just, uh, you know, uh, last but not least type of thing. And we encourage everybody, that, you know, if you, what are we talking about next week? I already forgot. What's the next show? Um, Wait, it, okay, it has the number eight. In oh, time. right. It's not, that one. It's not Dragon Quest eight. No. Yeah. Dragon I'm... Quest eight. So if you want to write in about Final Dragon <laughs> Quest. No, it's not that. It's, it's not. Gosh, there are so many games that have eight in the title, you know? I, I have to run through them all right now. Yeah. Um, well, well, Mike oh, is is it Mike Magic 8? No. Is it Wizardry 8? I, I, think, think, it's, so. I think it's I think it's Final Might and Fantasy 8. That sounds almost right. I'm sure yeah. we'll get it by the time we actually do the recording. So feel free to, you know, do any, you know, feel it, do a two-minute MP3 uh, mail it in to me. You can use your headset free program called Audacity on the internet. Use that to record. Ship it off to me, and I'll be happy to get you get you in on here. Again, we appreciate all your comments. You, you really do help us a lot in in developing our future shows and stuff. So I'm definitely gonna get the soundtrack to the uh, Fantasy Star 2 stuck in there. Yeah. 
happy fantasy star. Okay, well, thanks a lot, Mr. Mike. Happy to be here. Yep. So we'll see everybody. Actually, we'll be recording in only another nine or ten days. So catch y'all on the flip side. Hello, RPG Backtrack. This is Strawberry Eggs, and I'm going to reminisce about one of my most favorite series, Fantasy Star. You see, I never owned a Genesis, and certainly not a Master System, so I never played the originals when they first came out. I was introduced to the series with its online incarnations, specifically Fantasy Star Online Episodes 1 and 2. It's one of the first RPGs I've ever played. I love the action battle system, really liked the music, thought the graphics were quite good for the time, and found the story intriguing. Since said story can be ambiguous, I wanted to check out the original Fantasy Star series in the hopes that it would shed a little more light on PSO. Of course, whether the original games and PSO are part of the same continuity is still a debate among fans, but I digress. So anyway, I went ahead and bought myself a copy of Fantasy Star Collection for the GBA. The first Fantasy Star is also the first 8-bit RPG I've ever played, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was cool that it had a female protagonist, especially since it was among the earliest RPGs ever. I liked the animations, thought the music was pretty good, and found the setting quite charming. The mixture of sci-fi and fantasy gets a bit odd, though, when you can travel between planets on your own spaceship but have to reach the floating castle on the back of a talking cat that can fly after he eats magic nuts. Fantasy Star 2 was great with its more sci-fi cyberpunk setting. The story was quite good, even if most of the characters were a bit shallow, but hey, it's an early 16-bit RPG. I don't hate Fantasy Star 3, but it is my least favorite game in the series. I did like the usage of generations and did like how the sci-fi elements don't come until the end of the game. Other than that, though, I thought it was pretty mediocre. Since Fantasy Star 4 wasn't on the GBA cart, I had to play that game through other means. Not to worry, though, since I bought the game on the Wii Virtual Console to make up for it. But yeah, like a lot of people, it is my favorite Fantasy Star and among my most favorite games of all time. The plot was great, I loved the characters and the setting, and the battle system. The music I didn't find too memorable, but then again, it's been a while since I've played. When it comes to Fantasy Star, I personally think the online games have better music, but maybe I'm just crazy. So yeah, I love Fantasy Star, both classic series and online. While I admit the PSO games are a bit closer to my heart, this does not include the, on- the universe games, by the way. But the classic games are still great. I would love to see a true Fantasy Star 5, but something tells me we'll be seeing that anytime soon. I think I've said enough for now. Bye, everyone! Thank you, Strawberry Eggs. That was awesome. Boy, you crammed a lot in in two minutes. It's uh, clear that you're really passionate about Fantasy Star, as are a lot of our listeners. It seems like a really great series. I'll definitely have to find a way to get around to it sometime. Now, if you've hung on this long, we got a couple surprises for you. Number one, you might have noticed we didn't do a contest question during our main uh, podcast. So for hanging on this long, you're going to get a crack at a $20 Amazon gift certificate that other people who dropped off earlier haven't. Aren't going to have a chance to answer, really. (laughs) And uh, second, uh, we've got a little bit of a soundtrack coming up here at the end. It's actually a live performance by the Sega Rock Band um, for one of the Fantasy Star opening songs. So our contest question is this. Listen to the song that comes on right here at the end and tell me which of the four Fantasy Star games it's based on. That's easy. The second question is let's re-listen to the skit that we did at the very beginning of the show. There's some somewhat familiar sounding music there at the beginning. Tell me which uh, series that came from. You must be specific. I'm looking for specifics there. Which specific television series does that theme song come from? Email those answers to jcservant at cyberlightcomics.com. The first correct answer will win a $20 Amazon gift certificate. Again, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the rock concert here. 
Have a great day and see you on the next RPG Backtrack.